Okay, hold on a second. I'm hitting record because some shit's going down right now on my street. I literally am watching a police car right now go back and forth on my street, shining the sh- the bright light. Oh man, let's do some let's do some journalism here. What's going on? Shining a bright light on both sides of the street, looking in between the houses, kind of making me feel like I shouldn't be outside right now. What are they doing? They're looking for somebody. Now we got some teenagers coming down the sidewalk from the opposite direction. I'm wondering if I should be tackling these kids and calling the cops. <laughs> Man, action in Brighton. Did you guys see that cop looking around? What are they looking for? Oh, okay. That's awful. All right. I'll keep my eyes out. Okay. If you couldn't hear that, uh, there is a lost elderly adult in my neighborhood. Aw. Aw. Oh, Brighton. I thought we were going to have some crime in my little neighborhood, but instead it's... Now I feel awful, though. This poor little lady. Oh, my God. Well, we'll keep our eyes out. Maybe we'll find her here live on the podcast. I'm sitting out front in my front yard having a uh, whoop-ass IPA, courtesy of Rock Brewing. Loving the fact that I can do this outside, because I haven't done one of these outside in a couple of months. Eh, maybe it hasn't been a couple of months, but at least a month, I think, since the weather's been nice. But it is ridiculous. Like, what's been going on? It's like 72 degrees outside right now. I'm recording this on Saturday night, 8 o'clock or so, and you just you could not ask for better weather. Freaking fantastic. All right, hold on a second. I got distracted. I started this way before I was planning on starting this because of the whole cops thing. Let me get my notes out. Let's start this podcast proper. Hit the music. Let's rock. As I said, beautiful Saturday evening. I've just come outside. My wife is in the process of putting our little guy to bed. Oh, oh God, sorry about all the noise. You know what sucks? I know this podcast is probably going to pop a decent number because we're going to talk a little inside radio here. And every time I do a podcast that gets extra ears on it, it it like it sucks. Like I do a shitty job. <laughs> okay. Like, I just remember the last time whenever they um, uh, moved Weez to, like, they cut a couple hours from his show, and they hired these two out-of-town dudes, Rizzo and Jeff, for the afternoon show, and I did a podcast about it, and it sort of blew up, and, you know, for me, blowing up is, like, 4,000 listens. not that big of a deal, but still, in my little world, that's blowing up. But anyway, it blew up, and it was, like, the shittiest quality podcast I've literally ever recorded. It just had this, like, hiss, like this in the background the whole time. Literally, I've done a couple hundred podcasts at this point, and before that, 15 years of radio, and I think that is the only time I've ever just randomly had a hiss in the background of one of my podcasts. 
Just stupid luck. Mm. And the first time, after Kimberly and Beck got fired, that I did a behind-the-scenes radio one that blew up, was the same shit. I, I rigged this thing in my car to do a podcast and, like, didn't turn on the right microphone or something, so you were hearing it as if you, like, the microphone was, like, sitting in my passenger seat. And I'm talking directly into this other microphone that's not on. Hey, God. 15 years in rate. No, God. No, five. Uh, yeah, seriously. No wonder I'm not there anymore. Literally, I drop the ball every freaking time I have the opportunity. Okay, anyway. We will get to a little behind-the-scenes radio here today. We will clean this up. This will be a professional podcast sitting in my front yard in Brighton interviewing teenagers about missing elderly adults. It is what it is. Last night, I went to see Hamilton with my wife. Beautiful evening fantastic show as always of course it's here for two weeks by the way if you haven't seen it yet it's here this whole week too and i'm actually going again friday night and this time with my mother and what's great about this friday night and i'm very excited and yes i'm bragging about this for a moment is that we are season ticket holders uh see when i left radio i did talk quite a bit with my wife for the months before i left about what i would miss about radio and people ask me all the time do you miss radio and i all the time i always say yes to that and people are always like, oh, my God, so you regret leaving, right? And I go, no, 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 no. Regret and miss are two very different things. I miss radio all the time. I have never once regretted leaving. Anyway, when we were about to leave radio, and I'm talking to my wife, and again, this is, this is months in the making, it kept coming up over and over. I would tell her, I would say, the one, you know what I'm really going to miss is essentially free season tickets to the Rochester Broadway Theater League because they would give us these media tickets, and on the Tuesday of every show, the first night of the show, we would always get to go and see the show. And uh, I told her, I said, that's something I'll really miss. And then we just both kind of at the same time decided, we're like, well, why do we have to give that up? Like, let's just, like, A, let's just buy season tickets, and B, when we do, let's not do it for Tuesday nights because it was always tough to go on Tuesday nights uh, and then for me, that was basically come home, take a nap, get up, do radio like three hours later, or at least go in to start prepping for radio. So now we have Friday night season tickets. And having the season tickets gave me the opportunity to buy tickets for the second week of Hamilton before the general public. So I'm sitting in to, uh, next Friday night with my mom. I think we're sitting center orchestra like fourth row. I am so freaking excited for her to have that experience. Just that is going to be amazing. Anyway, such a brilliant show. In so many ways, so much like so entertaining, but also just so historic. Like, there's a couple of things about it that I think are just so it's such great insight. One of the things that was occurring to me last night watching that show that is such great, just a great angle on the Revolutionary War is the king's perspective. Do you know how during Hamilton they've got two or three little skits where the king comes out and sings? I, a couple of years ago, two, three, four years ago, whatever, I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember what it was called, but it was something like History Reversed or something. And it basically was a podcast that was taking on all of the various bias that we are taught in America, history classes. Because we're always taught, right, that we are the good guys. We win all the wars because we're always the good guy in every war. And, you know, you just, you have to, for a second, you have to think, well, what if you go to that country and you attend one of their history classes. They probably don't paint us as the heroes, right? They probably paint us as the bad guys because everybody's the good guy in their version of the story. So I was listening to this podcast about the Revolutionary War, and 
it was it was like what do what do British kids learn in school about the American Revolutionary War? And the first thing is for us, it's the biggest thing, right? We've got like Revolutionary War, Civil War, like we've got a handful of things that are huge, but Revolutionary War is either number one or number two, depending on where you place the Civil War and, and abolishing slavery. So Revolutionary War, generally us getting our freedom, typically the number one. So we spend a ton of time on it. We learn about it year after year after year. We go in great detail. In England, they spend like one day on it in high school uh, history. And uh, again, I'm just remembering from this podcast, basically their angle on the whole thing is that we're a bunch of cheap bastards because they sponsored... They didn't think about it from their perspective. They're like, look, you heard about this new land, and you wanted to go. So we sponsored you getting there. We paid for it. We helped you get there. We set the whole deal up. We policed it. We helped you make sure you had proper imports. We set you up with a government. We had everything going on. And then you just decided you didn't want to pay taxes anymore. And, and that being said, we had this really good tea, and you just threw it in the lake. Well, the ocean. Sorry. <laughs> So anyway, in all reality, though, the basically their perspective on it is like they sponsored a bunch of uh, people to get here. And then as soon as we got here, we were like, well, we're not going to pay you anymore. I know we said we would, but we're not going to do that anymore. That sucks. And they were like, hey, screw that. We're coming to get our money. <laughs> so to them, we're just terrible tenants, you know? Anyway, let me get another drink of whoop ass. So I love that. I love that perspective. And, like, the other thing funny about, like, the King's songs is where the King goes uh, when George Washington steps down. He's like, George Washington has stepped down. Is that true? I wasn't aware that was something a person could do. And it's just – it's such a funny little throwaway line. But it's so – it just is such an insight into the difference between this country and that. Because there's the King going, you can just – quit being in charge like what what yeah good perspective love it good show go see it if you get the opportunity by the way before we get into the uh back uh, behind the scenes radio shit um i did have a really good culinary weekend too i spent yesterday making meatballs for the rochester rotary sunshine camp 100 year anniversary i'm a proud rochester rotary board member vice president uh actually on that board it's my fourth year though so i'm pretty sure i cycle off the board after this year which would be sad which will be sad, but anyway. Um, we did a couple hundred meatballs for my good friends down there. Great camp. If you don't know anything about it, you should check it out online. Sunshine Camp in Rush. It is a camp for differently privileged young people. And what's great is that the uh, young lady who worked the event for me last night, because as I mentioned, I went to Hamilton, was telling me she was familiar with the camp. As I was passing off the meatballs to her, she said, I know this camp. I went here because she's a diabetic. And that's one of the most popular weeks at Sunshine Camp is Diabetes Week because you get all of these campers all going through the same thing. They all think that they're the quote-unquote weird one in their normal lives, and so they get the opportunity to go and be with other people who experience the same exact day-to-day, and it's just so many glowing reviews. So many. Oh, I love... I. Sorry, another sip of beer. I love that camp because of uh, all of the things that the, the, the differently able can do, but the fact that there is a treehouse that is handicap accessible, the fact that somebody in a wheelchair can do a rock climbing wall, the 
swimming pool is 100% accessible. It's just it's just such a beautiful thing that it exists. So, made meatballs yesterday. Then tonight, I made pesto because between you and I, I'm, uh, it's time to start thinking about what our spring seasonal is going to be. And uh, I'm thinking maybe pesto this year. And I will tell you that whatever I just made in that kitchen a couple hours ago, I would bottle and market yesterday. It was so freaking good. I didn't really do anything special. I think the only thing, if you if you know anything about pesto, basic pesto is like basil, pine nuts. You grind, you you put those in a food processor, you know, whip them up. Uh, then it's like cheese and garlic. Then whip that up. And then you just kind of add oil until you get to the right consistency. And then maybe a little salt and pepper. Uh, only real changes I made was I went a little above board on the garlic, uh, and I uh, used cashews. That was it. It's freaking fantastic. And then tomorrow, I get to make three lasagnas, because we have one family that is uh, unfortunately in need right now, who we are close to, who I'm going to bring one to. Also, our uh, next-door neighbors just had a new baby, so I'm going to bring one to them, and then one will be for us. And tomorrow, also, I'm sorry, I should say today, Sunday, is Leo's birthday party at Bounce Hopper after the Bills game. So busy day, busy day. All right, anyway, let's get to it. Jeez, oh, man, what is he doing? I clicked on this podcast specifically to hear him talk shit about radio, and here he is talking about himself. What is this crap? All right. Let's get to it. Whew, boy, this is this makes me nervous. <sighs> Admittedly, I am on pins and needles for a moment here because I got to be really, really careful about this next part. A lot of people are like, is Paulie going to tell us why Bill Moran is no longer at iHeartMedia? Uh, thought about this long and hard. Sought legal advice. <laughs> Basically, here's what I will say. Uh, a harassment claim was made against Bill by a coworker. That claim was investigated by the company, and the company made the decision to let him go based on their findings from that investigation. Okay, that's all. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. That is it. Seriously, if that's what you're here for, you might as well hang up because that's as far as I'm going into that because I am – Sure that there are some very angry and important ears on this podcast right now, and I am not going to add any words whatsoever to that very carefully thought out statement right there uh, because I am not trying to get sued here today. So that leaves us with the undeniable fact that Bill Moran is gone from the radio. I would like to bet... That iHeartMedia management right now is kicking themselves in the ass for not having a better bench, huh? Man, man, the people they've let walk over the years, and now they are sitting there thin. They're like the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football last week against the Bills. They got no receivers, man. Who are they going to get the ball to at this point? And think about the people that have walked out over the year. Like, think about the talent that's gotten out of there. And by the way, I suck. I'm not counting myself in that. Oh, boy, I said I suck so loud it echoed throughout my neighborhood. I suck. I'm not even counting myself through that. Think about just recently. Megan Carter, Pat McMahon, both of them now on a juggernaut rock station in Buffalo were told no thank you by our media. At some point or another, I think Pat quit, but he had been laid off just a few years prior to that. So, again, just ridiculous. 
the the amount of like passionate young board ops over the years and assistant producers who have come in and made twenty seven thousand dollars a year and asked for more opportunity only to eventually basically be just lied to and taken advantage of over and over and over until they finally get disgruntled enough to leave. Maybe I'm just telling my own story at this point, but it's just ridiculous. And now you're left with no bench. You got nobody to throw the ball to. So just please, God, if you learn anything from this, start giving young people a chance my god oh so freaking frustrating you just mortgage your future over and over and over black okay that's my first point start giving young people a chance and eventually you can weasel your way out of shit like this i don't know whether or not they're going to replace bill i don't know Will it just be the John DeTulio show, or, or will they hire somebody, or will they move somebody? I have no idea what's going to happen. No idea. I will tell you this. The thing that I think I do understand about specifically Rochester media, radio, I guess, but media in general, that I, I still feel my previous management doesn't to this day understand, and it's been evidenced multiple times recently, uh, evidence that they don't understand this all over the place. And that is that you must center a show around somebody who is, I use the term over with the audience, but what I'm talking about is somebody who is well-respected and well-liked in Rochester already. You can't put them on the air and expect them to earn that over the years. The evidence that they don't understand that exists with this Rizzo and Jeff who are on the afternoon show. Now, I listen to them. Actually, this week, I listened to them for a good hour. My phone shit the bed this week and I had to go to the Apple store from Bergen where my plant is I was in the car with no phone which meant radio now I do have satellite radio but I was like well listen let me listen to the radio and I listen to Rizzo and Jeff guess what guess what I don't know if you're gonna like this or gonna hate this I got news for you about Rizzo and Jeff as far as radio goes they're really good they're like really 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 good radio guys but they have zero clout in Rochester now, if they buckle down and spend a bunch of years earning that clout, great. But these dudes need to be working in the inner circles of Rochester in order to do that. They will not earn the hearts of Rochester simply going on the radio every afternoon and being good on the radio. They need to do the work on nights and weekends. They need to MC every gala they possibly can. They need to be joining local not-for-profit boards. They need to be doing great things for this community not with a Radio 95.1 banner behind them, but just because that's who they really are. And even that is going to take a couple of years before they really start to be relied on by the community. And once they are relied on by this community, they will start to have the clout necessary to have a popular radio show. Bringing guys like that in was so old school radio. It was so like what you would have done in 1997 if you had to fill a, a major day part-time slot, you would have brought in a couple guys who were great on the radio. You would have uh, weathered the three-month storm of all the listeners of the previous show saying they sucked. And then you would have waited about 18 more months. And you would have seen them built an audience. And within about a two-year period, they would have been well-established. Well, the problem is this is not the old days. Radio now is very niche. It is very fragmented. 
stations and shows have much fewer listeners, but those listeners are far more dedicated to the shows that they're listening to. The only way people are going to fall in love with and become dedicated to a show is if they completely buy into the main personality. So now that brings me back to John DiTullio, DiTullio and Moran. John DiTullio is that guy. He's that guy. John is fantastic. John DiTullio is a guy you can build a radio show around. Absolutely. He is so freaking beloved. And I don't think Johnny would punch me in my face for what I'm about to say, but I will offer this. He's not necessarily the most technically sound radio guy either, though. But guess what? Neither is Wheeze, one of, if not the biggest legend in the history of Rochester Radio. So, what they had with Dutulio Moran was fantastic. You had exactly what you need. You had all the ingredients, man. You had the personality that Rochester respects and likes in John DeTulio, and then you had the form- formatics guy. You had the radio guy. You had Bill Moran. The two of that combined, it was a great show. It, I credit where credit is due. That show was created by my ex-manager, uh, who I've talked about on this podcast in a couple of negative ways already, but this was a really, really, really good decision by them. And listen, the gist, I don't want you to hear the gist of me saying uh, that, that I think everything that, that they do is wrong or stupid. Uh, they obviously think everything they do is smart and amazing. The truth is, it's in between. They, they make good decisions and bad decisions, and we're all human. So do I. I make good decisions and bad decisions. You could go to my plant on Monday and ask my employees, do I make good and bad decisions? And they will laugh and say, of course he makes uh, some good ones in there with the bad ones. Okay? It's normal. It's human to make a few bad decisions here and there. It's okay. But when you see the same bad decision being made over and over and over, ooh, that becomes tougher to deal with. Not treating young up-and-coming talent like stars is a problem. If I'm being honest, yes, there's some personal gripe coming out when I say that. Not that I needed to be treated like a star, but I do feel like having given a ball to run with far earlier or at any point while I was there, I might actually still be there. But being constantly teased with that ball over and over and over and never having it handed to you, it's eventually going to make you go the other go in the other direction. So I don't know exactly what they're going to do. They've got some really talented people on that station. Let's take it front to back. What do you got at this point? You got Brother Weeze. I think we all know Brother Weeze is the man, the myth, the legend, right? How many years does he have left? Nobody really knows. At this point, take everything you can get out of him. Next to him is Deanna King, another really great personality, strong, always going to give you opinions. That's what you need. You need somebody who's going to just be there for every conversation with a strong opinion on it, and you've got that. Uh, John DiTullio, we've already uh, enamored by him. He's fantastic. Rizzo and Jeff, again, really, really good radio personalities, just not over with the Rochester audience. And then you've got some Rover, right? I, I think Mayor Pete Kennedy's gone at this point. Newman, I think, is gone at this point, although he might still be voice tracking one of the other stations. I'm not exactly sure what that situation is. So what do you do? Well, frankly, you build around John DiTullio. You keep him exactly where he is. And you just find a formatics guy to weave in and out with him to to bring structure to his genius, quite frankly. I think that's the plan. That's what I would do. Excuse me. Or, or go out and get somebody. 
But again, do it correctly. Get somebody from this market who is already loved. Let me throw out a name. Adam Chodak. Now, Adam Chodak is handsome, so he's probably going to stay on TV. Radio is for people that look like uh, me. But uh, Adam Chodak, absolutely beloved in this town right now. Scrounge up some freaking cash and give it to the guy and get him to come over and do it. And do you want to know why he'd probably do it? If, again, you got to come up with enough money, first of all, because he's not going to take a step backwards financially to do it. But you know why he might do it? Because he's a real journalist. And Adam Chodak might see a ton of benefit in having all that space, meaning two, three hours, whatever the distance of the show is you want to give him, length of the show, to, to kind of vet out his journalism. Because, quite frankly, do you want to know who used to refer to themselves as journalists? And between you and I, it was a stretch, but it wasn't completely false, was Kimberly and Beck. Now, absolutely, it was a stretch. Please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they were just straight-up journalists. However... Kimberly and Beck did spend four hours on the radio every day investigating, I guess you could call it news, but essentially live open sourcing that news, right? Like they were just, they were basically doing all the same preparation that a journalist does when writing a newspaper story, but they were just like doing it publicly and asking the public for their input on it, you know? Like it was kind of working. Oh, and that actually brings me to... The newspaper. Mm. Listening to XXI yesterday, Friday. I keep saying yesterday. Remember, I'm recording this on Saturday. And hearing uh, Tracy Schumacher and Gary Craig and who was the third guy? Justin Murphy, I think, were on there. And they did a one-day strike. Gannett's a mess, man. Gannett owns the DNC, if you don't know. So the newspaper writers, they all did a one-day strike just to protest the fact that the company, like the CEO, makes $8 million dollars. But meanwhile, as they were saying on Evan Dawson's show on Connections on XXI, they're talking about how many young new journalists have come around over the years and only lasted, you know, a few months or, or a couple of years at best because eventually they're just like, look, I got to I can't survive on, you know, what, whatever I'm like, I got to pay my rent. They're paying me twenty eight thousand dollars a year. Like, I can't be an adult like this, you know. And I think it was one of them Gary maybe was saying, he's like, man, there's some young people here who were doing really great things who I really wanted to see what they were going to do throughout a career who had to give it up because it just wasn't a financially viable career. Now, if you're a skeptic, you hear that and you go, look, this is America, and if they're not making money doing it, that's their fault. Well, not really. In this case, and it's the same case with iHeartMedia, they're just a slave to their overhead. I mean, companies are going to have basically three levels of expenses, right? You've got your cost of whatever your product is, you've got your labor, and then you've got your overhead. Now, in media, your cost is typically going to be tied up in your labor anyway because your product basically is your labor, your people. So that's interesting now thinking about that. I wonder how they bookkeep in radio. Sorry, that's a whole different tangent. But uh, but anyway, uh, when, you know, and that's how you figure out what you can afford. And when your overhead is so substantial, the way Gannett's is, or the way iHeartMedia always was, when I worked there at least, it's just, it just crushes your ability to pour money into things because everything you're making has to go to serve this debt. 
and it just crushes it really does just crushes your ability to grow or be creative or think outside the box you know it crushes your ability to go go get adam chodak quite frankly and offer him enough money to make him come do three hours a day on your radio show on your radio station uh so, you know, I'm listening to them, and they're on XXI, and I love them. I love Tracy, and I love them. But it is tough to truly understand, like, where where are they going to go from here? How does newspaper get saved? And by the way, nobody's really talking about it, but newspaper might be the closest to death, but, like, radio is not far behind it, and traditional TV is not all that far behind them. So how are they going to get saved? And here's the thing. I think there's something there because what is the thing you need most of all like business 101 you want to start a business what do you need you need a product that people want that's it quite frankly that's like half the freaking battle to starting a business do you have a product that people want part two can you sell it for more than it costs you to make it i mean we're talking general (laughs) true honest to god intro to business 101 level here Do you have a product people want, and can you sell it for more than it costs you to make it? In the case of journalism, I think you have that. I think you have, absolutely have, with what the DNC, Gary and Tracy and all of them, with what they're creating, you have a product that people want. That part right there, having a product that people want, is so hard just having a product that people want is so frigging hard and they have that here's part two can you sell it for more than you can make it i also think the answer is yes however sip of beer not while serving all that overhead i think if you were able somehow, let's just take the DNC right now. Let's take local print journalism. If you could somehow pare all that down, get rid of Gannett, just take it, just pretend you've got none of the legal structure at all. You've just got journalists. Let's say you've got those people that were on the the, 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 the news yesterday. You've got Tracy, uh, Gary, and Justin. The, you've got the three of them. And the three of them are going to go out and, and they're going to ju- journalize, <laughs> whatever it's called. They're going to be journalists. They're going to go create stuff, news. And all you have to do is pay them. And then you have to pay the whatever the server fee where their content is going to live online. Is there enough traffic, and the DNC people will know this, that if you could just charge people $1 every time they wanted to look at an article, just $1, or, of course, they'd have the option to pay $10 to have unlimited articles every month, or they could just pay $1 to watch to, to read one article. Could you pay for their salaries? Yes, there's still got to be some overhead, right? There's got to be some insurance. There's got to be some – yeah, there's, there's, there's always going to be a tiny bit of overhead. Somebody's got to pay the electric, but like I said – the, the, you got to pay for the server where the news is going to live. But but generally speaking, the product is so damn cheap because the labor is the product. So the cost of goods and the labor become one thing. And the overhead you can minimize because you can go digital now. No more printing out all these newspapers. The problem is Gannett. The problem is the corporate overlord with all that overhead hanging over you, making it impossible for you to be stealthy at all in business. So, big media, basically what I'm getting to here, is big media conglomerates eventually 
in order to save this thing, are going to have to go back to being local mom-and-pop radio and newspaper and TV stations. And I end it with that with a plug. I, your boy Paulie, am returning to radio for one time only, one appearance only, on Monday, November 21st. I will be on the morning show on WBTA, that is the Batavia radio station. If I was any good at my job, I would know what frequency it is, but I don't. <laughs> so look it up. But anyway, I was in there for a, like a public service interview recently for the Grow New York competition. And uh, the guy was asking me about my history, and of course I told him about working in radio. And then, you know, for 15 minutes, like, we talked, and it was smooth. And I mean, he's doing public service radio in Batavia, so I would imagine while all absolutely wonderful people he's probably not getting a lot of fiery personalities coming in so the fact that he and i went toe-to-toe for 15 minutes at the end he was like you want to come do my show sometime i was like yeah he's like just sit in for the whole show i was like yeah he's like great how's the week of such and such? i went week of no i'll do a day i miss doing radio and it will be a lot of fun to do a day but i can do one day so anyway monday november 21st i will spend the day the morning i should say on uh, WBTA. I don't even know if it comes in in Rochester. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Hope you had a good podcast. I'm going to go inside right now and enjoy the rest of my Saturday evening with my wife. We have three, count it, three Handmaid's Tale episodes to watch. So uh, that's what I'll be doing. Love you. Thank you for listening. Happy birthday, Leo. Leo, 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 I love you, buddy. <laughs>